Let's get into the word. We're starting a new series today called Oil Reserves, or for some of my southern friends, Oil Reserves. <laughs> my wife went to school in Tulsa when she came back. She said she had to get an oil change, and I still catch her saying it. That was a couple decades ago. I got to get my oil changed. Today we're starting a new series called Oil Reserves. That's going to make more sense in just a minute. I'm not talking about investing in uh, Texas or anything. Let me set some groundwork for this series. Jesus was real. Literal Jesus, literal son of God, came to earth, lived on earth, died, came back to life. And he literally went to heaven and is actually seated at the right hand of the Father. And he literally will come back. Like, like Jesus. That same Jesus that was 2,000 years ago, died on the cross. We've seen those stories. He's really going to come back. Yes. That's, that's real. 1 Peter 4, 7, we, we, we were taught, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. See, the interesting thing is Peter wrote, the end of all things is near. He wrote that a couple thousand years ago. So was his timer off? Near is relative. See, people for generations have said Jesus was coming soon. It was near, but never before in church history until now have, has there been a, a generation, a global generation, on every continent, universally, all over the world, that agree that it very well may be in their lifetime. For 2,000 years, there was, there was groups that, that thought, oh, it's, it's, it's now, it's now. But it's the whole planet. Christians everywhere are, have this heightened sense that, it, oh, wow, this is, it's any minute now. Jesus is coming back. But, and I believe that. Any minute now, Jesus is coming back. But what if it's not? What if he doesn't? Does that change my faith? Does that adjust how I should live? That's what this series is about. Jesus teaches us that we should live as though he's coming back tomorrow, but keep right on living that same way, even if he doesn't come back for another century or two. It's irrelevant. My faith is what is important here. Jesus teaches us that we should always be ready. Mark chapter 13 says, therefore, keep watch. Jesus is saying this. Keep watch. Everybody say, keep watch. Keep watch. Because you don't know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. The state of being ready is what Jesus is after here. And in Matthew 24, he told two parables about, uh, about the master coming home uh, sooner than people expected the master to come home. Well, they weren't ready. Oh, hey, you're, oh, it's sooner than you thought. And in Matthew 25, where we're going to look today, he tells a parable that shows the master may come later than expected. Christians really have to stop trying to figure out when Jesus, because you, you ain't going to get it. <laughs> Jesus keeps telling these stories. No one knows. Nobody knows. So we stay ready. Why? That's what faith is. Faith helps us stay ready. So we're going to look at this uh, passage in Matthew chapter 25. We're going to look in the first 13 verses. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to follow along with me. 
Or, of course, you can go to the events page, and there's a link there where you can um, follow along with all the scriptures on your device. So Matthew 25, I'm going to read out of the NLT. Jesus says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them are foolish, and five were wise. Okay, so let me set the scene. This is a Jewish wedding. So because this is an ancient Jewish wedding, and none of you have been at an ancient Jewish wedding, we have to trust historians to tell us what that was like so we can understand the picture, right? Because everyone Jesus was talking to knew what a Jewish wedding was. So what would happen is the bride and all of the bridesmaids would be at her house, and they would all get ready, and they knew that sometime that night the groom would come. And, and so they would stay ready, and they would have these torches fueled by oil that they would use. So at a time that was unknown, they just, whenever the, the groom came, he came, and he would come with, a, with an entourage from his house or his uh, parents' house, and he would come to the bride's house, and all her bridesmaids would be there, and they'd all get their torches fueled by oil, and they would light the way, and it was very honoring to light the whole way, and it'd be really bright, and they would all march back to his house, and they would start the marriage feast. And, that, and then it would go on for like a week. But that was, that's the, the part that Jesus is talking about here, okay? It would be very dishonoring if you were a bridesmaid. It would be dishonoring to the couple if you did not have your torch fueled by oil. You needed to have that ready. And it was so common for a groom to come late that there were... There were um, like shopkeepers that would stay open and even park outside the, the house of the bride to sell oil because it was so common for people to run out. So this scenario is common to the people Jesus was talking to. And now you can understand it too. Verse three, the five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. They had oil reserves, see it? Verse 5, when the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. I want to make sure you're seeing this. This is a parable. It's a story Jesus is telling us, and the groom isn't the groom, and the bridesmaid's not. It's a parable. It's a story to help us understand spiritual truth. So in this story, the, the groom is Jesus. The, the groom is, because he's going to come back for us. That's the groom in this story. And we are the bridesmaids. It doesn't mean we're all girls. It means we have the position of the bride of Christ. It's in position, not in gender. We are the bridesmaids. He is coming for us, and we are waiting for his arrival. And the oil represents what? All throughout the Bible, oil represents the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. This is showing how some people will become drowsy and fall asleep before the groom comes. Some people will... Be drowsy and fall asleep. Verse 6. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, Look, the bridegroom's coming! Come out and meet him! All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish asked the others, Hey, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough oil for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. We're all going to be wasted if, if I share with you. Then all of our lamps are going to go out. So that's no good if, ever, if no one has any. Go get your own. Go get your own oil. Verse 10. But while they were gone to buy the oil, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast. And the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, 
They stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or hour of my return. Does this parable mean that if I forget to read my Bible today, I'm going to hell this week? No, I don't think that it means that. So what is the punishment? Okay, so let's not focus on the punishment. I don't need to understand the punishment to understand the command. I don't have to know what, what's going to happen if I don't. Does it matter? I don't need to know the punishment to obey the command here. Amen. So let me share some thoughts on this parable. Here's number one. We are in this for the long haul. Christians step into a relationship with Jesus, and we start our spiritual journey, and we are in this for the long haul. Everybody say long haul. Long haul. When there's a long haul, it's easy to get tired and fall asleep. This can happen. It's easy to get distracted and disillusioned of what's important in our lives. See, there's a lot of passages in the Bible about that. I'm going to give you some of them right now. But these passages are in the Bible because they needed to be in the Bible. Like, like Jesus said it because he needed to say it. It's easy for us to get drowsy and fall spiritually asleep. So Jesus warned, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. Anybody got some anxieties of life? Be careful, your hearts will be weighed down by it. And that day will close on you so suddenly like a trap, for it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch. Christians, we do the right stuff. And then we do the right stuff. And then we do the right stuff. And then we do the right stuff. That's the name of this game. Paul teaches in 1 Corinthians 15, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Type it in the chat or say it out loud. Stand firm. Stand firm. firm. Why does Paul need to say stand firm? Because people don't stand firm. He had to say it because he needed to say it. Stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that in your labor, I'm sorry, that, that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So we keep doing good. And then, you guessed it, we keep doing good. And we keep serving. We keep doing good. And, and when you keep doing good and you keep serving, it may be tempted, you may be tempted to feel tired and exhausted or weary. And so Paul encouraged you and he said, let us not become weary in doing good for we will reap a harvest at the proper time if we do not give up. Do you see it there? Proper time means sometimes is not the right time. You'll be encouraged at the proper time if you don't give up. We keep at it. We're in this for the long haul. And in the meantime, it can be downright difficult, offensive, dangerous, or damaging to continue to follow Jesus and obey him. But if we do, we're blessed. James teaches us, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. 
I'm giving you a lot of scriptures on this because there's a lot of scriptures on this. I cut some back. Scripture is filled, it's inundated with passages about how hard it is to be a Christian. It's hard. We are in the long haul, so it's hard. Buckle up. My buddy Stephen Chapman says, saddle up your horses. We got a trail to blaze. Whoa, whoa. I love that song. So let's go. During the pandemic, when places everywhere shut down, public gatherings ceased, one-third, studies show that one-third of Christ-following church-attending believers, that's, that's us, that's, I mean, you're church-attending, one-third stayed faithful. One-third fiddle-faddled and went to another church every week. And a whole third fell away, not just from church, but from the faith. They were drowsy and fell asleep. They were out of oil. Listen, we're in this for the long haul. During the pandemic, those who realized, uh, I remember in March 2020, or maybe it was April 2020, um, we offered, there was a, a man in our church um, who didn't have the internet, and we offered to send a DVD every week. And he said, oh, no, this will be over tomorrow. This is just a, this is over tomorrow. I don't know, I don't need that. Don't, don't, don't accommodate me. I'll be back here next week. This, this will all be done. The, the people who understood that COVID would, would take, that there would be months of restrictions and years of reeling effects, those people aren't the people that lost their minds in 2020 and 2021. When you know that there's something on the other side, when, you're, when you can sit, settle down and realize, okay, I'm in a long journey, you can look at the world differently. When you know what's on the other side, it's a lot easier to take a difficult passage. Anyone ever driven to Florida? Ugh, right? Driving to Florida stinks because it's in the car. What kept you going? Florida. You knew what was on the other side. When you know what's on the other side, you can handle the stink. But when you don't see the other side and you just see the stink, what are you going to do? You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna fiddle out. You're not going to bother filling up with more oil because you're not worried about the journey. So let's set our eyes heavenward and realize there's going to be a lot of troubles in the meantime. There's going to be a lot of troubles in the meantime. But focus your eyes on heavenward. Here's number two. The closer we get to the return of Christ, the more oil we need. It's the second observation from the passage. The closer we get to the return of Christ, the more oil we need. The only difference between the wise bridesmaids and the foolish bridesmaids, it wasn't how many locations their church had. It wasn't new carpet. It wasn't air conditioning. It wasn't great music, lights, and a projector. It was oil. That was the differentiator. The Spirit of God. Church, the presence of God is the differentiator that Christians need from the world. That's why we're different. The presence of God. Not just enough for now, but enough for later. 
We always need to be pressing in for more of God. Let's fill up our oil reserves. This isn't a new message. Many of us grew up singing about it. Give me oil for my lamp, keep me burning. Yeah. Give me oil for my lamp, I pray. Hallelujah. Give me oil for my lamp, keep me burning, burning, burning. Keep me burning till the break of day. You know it, come on. Sing Hosanna, sing Hosanna, sing Hosanna to the King of Kings. Hey, sing Hosanna, sing Hosanna, sing Hosanna to the King. Give me gas for my Ford, keep me trucking for Give my favorite. Give me hot sauce for my taco. I will witness in Morocco. Give me hot sauce. I'll go, Lord, wherever you send me. My prayer is that we would be a church that is so utterly useless without the presence of God that we devote our lives seeking him. Lord, let us be useless without you. Let us realize that we are. That's the reality. We're useless without you. Everything else is a facade. We want to bear true fruit that comes out of what you give us from the Holy Spirit. It's our prayer. Amen. Here's the third observation from this passage. Only you can get your oil. I can't bring it for you. If I could bring oil for everybody, I'd bring it. I can't. Only you can bring your oil. See, this is an interesting idea. Scripture is very clear that faith, our Christian life, is meant to be lived in community. Your, your relationship with God is not just me and God, it's us and God. That's how Christianity is supposed to be. That's why we, we gather together and worship together, because Christianity is about us and God. Galatians 6.2 says, carry each other's burdens. That word burdens, carry each other's burdens. It's referring to uh, anything that's grievous or difficult. Are you in something that's severe or difficult? I'm going to help you carry it. When I am, you'll help me carry it. We carry each other's burdens, and this way we fulfill the law of Christ. But just a little bit later, just, just a few verses later in the same chapter, Galatians 6, 5 says, for each one should carry their own load. Which is it? We carry each other's burdens or we carry each other's load? That word, we carry each other's load, the the actual Greek word is the same word that could be translated freight. in, In context, it's very clearly speaking about personal responsibility. I will carry with you whatever is difficult. But your personal responsibility for your actions, that's up to you. That's up to me. That's personal. That's personal. Scripture is clear that faith is meant to be lived in community, but it's also clear that we have a unique and personal responsibility for our faith. Your ability to access God and get oil is entirely up to you. It's entirely up to you. And we're going to be, te- this series is about this idea. For the next few weeks, we're going to be teaching you how to get your own oil. I, can- I am like so tempted to say oil. Yes. <laughs> we're going to be teaching you how to get your own oil. 
You have to go south to get it. We'll give you oil here. It's the southern Holy Spirit is the oil. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. There's only one Holy Spirit. Don't put me on YouTube and say I'm a false teacher. Your husband can't get the oil for you. Your wife can't get the oil for you. Your parents did not get the oil for you. Your grandparents did not get oil for you. How many times have you talked to someone, like, do you go to church, are you a Christian? And one of the first things they say is, well, my uncle was a pastor. So? He didn't give you oil. He can't. What about you? Your boyfriend can't get it for you. Your girlfriend can't get it for you. Just like Smokey says, only you can prevent forest fires. <laughs> only you can get your own oil. Yeah. Only you can get your own oil. Here's the fourth observation. There will be many whose lamps go out. Many give up when times are difficult. I've seen it. It's the dumbest thing. At the moment that you need faith the most, you run? What sense does that make? Oh, I lost my job. I'm out of here. Like, you're in a hard time. My spouse left me. I'm out of here. Don't you want to be with the people that are your family? This is where you need to be in the hard time. Let's not be like the third of the people because of something simple like a virus. A third of the church fell away from the faith. That's, let that not be here. Let that not be here. Let's put our eyes on heavenward. We know what's going on. We know where God wants us to be. And in the meantime... We expect problems. And so we stick with it for the long haul. Would you stand with me? This series is about oil reserves. Filling up with more of the Holy Spirit, not just for today, but for later too. The good news is we have an unlimited supply around here. God is unlimited He's willing to fill us up. Why? Why? So that when someone's rude, you can love them. That dirt bag. I mean, you can love them. <laughs> and when your job is gone, your faith is strong. And when family betrays you, you remember one who never will. When people in the church betray you, you'll still remember one who never will. If you're out of oil, you don't remember that. And when Satan lies and tells you that you're something that you're not, you can fight back. How do you fight lies? With truth. How do you know truth? You fill up with oil. It's the oil reserves. This matters, church. Amen. You can fight back with truth. And when sin and temptation come knocking on your door, you can knock the devil down. I like the idea of kicking the devil. Makes me feel Chuck Norrisy. I'm gonna roundhouse kick the devil.
So let's fill up. Amen. Do you want to be filled up? See, the first step to being filled up is to, is to get yourself a lamp. You have, to, you have to be lit first. And the first step to that is, is taking a step with, with Jesus. And the Bible is very simple. That, um, you see, God created us to, to be together, but our sin separates us from God. And nothing we can do can bring things back. We, are, we do not have the power to fix that separation of sin. And the Bible says that the penalty for, for sin is death. And so we owe that, but we don't have to pay it because Jesus did not owe it. He did not sin, and he died in our place for us and then came back to life. And now anyone who points to Jesus as the answer and opens their life up to him and says, yes, I, need more. I, I want you, God. I want to follow you, Jesus. He will come, and he'll regenerate our spirit and make us alive again. That's when we begin our relationship with God. That's what makes a Christian a Christian. If you've never done that, it's, it's very simple. It's just a matter of saying, I, I admit I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus died for me. And I'm going to confess him as Lord, and I'm going to follow him. Some of you have lit your lamp, but it's, it's just about out. And if someone shouted, look, the groom is coming, you'd be scrambling. Good news. You got a chance. You got a chance. The groom's not coming this second because I'm still talking. If you got a chance, let's reach out to the Lord and ask him to reignite us and fill us up with more oil. How does that happen? It happens, I think, one of the greatest ways. We'll be teaching more about this. One of the greatest ways is through worship. Lord, we look to you. We ask you to fill us up as we pour out our praise to you. You are everything that we need. You are our only solution. So we trust you. Let's sing it to the Lord.